0: what is up hello there my name is jessica patching bunch you can call me jpb and this is brain body resilience this is a podcast dedicated to growth human development and stressing a little bit less so you can go ahead and live a little bit more hello my friends and welcome back today we are on part four of this um what i said would be a 10 part mini series and <laughs> wow uh, i do want to keep it to uh right around 10 episodes in this mini series because it has a very specific point i have realized that just trying to um deliver all of the information that i want to within the constraints of this mini series um is not possible, which is amazing because it's made me just realize all of these different things that I want to uh, share with y'all. So um, today we are talking about your brain and stress. We spent the first three episodes just talking about stress, what it actually is on a physiological level, the upsides, the downsides, what is happening in your body, what types of stress um, we are facing and how those are affecting us differently. And so today we are going into talking about the brain because brain body resilience is brain-based stress management and everything that I the way that I make sense of of things is through the lens of how does this work in the brain? Um ever since I discovered that I love neuroscience and neurophysiology and learning about um how our brain is working, how our brain and body are working together. This is the lens through which um, I make sense of these things. And some of you have said it is helpful. So we will continue. Um, So today we're talking about the brain and there's just too much to go over in this 20 minute episode. And I don't want to continue to make, you know, three part series of this 10 part series on and on. So I'm going to pick out some things later on that we'll go over in detail. So remember, this is just a just a tidbit that we're getting into here. Um, I felt the need to disclaim that even though obviously I can't explain the brain to you in 20 minutes, nor can I do that anyways, because we don't really understand it that well. Anyways, let's jump into this. So if we remember from our last couple of episodes, it all starts in the brain with this whole stress thing, anxiety thing, human thing. Everything starts in the brain. So if you remember the um HPA axis is what kind of is is your is your physiological stress response. That hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis is your brain communicating with your body about what resources are needed what physiological responses are needed and that starts that's triggered when your brain detects a possible threat or danger before you can even realize it before you are consciously aware of it it's sending these signals from the amygdala is kind of your red alert emotional um control center kind of picking up signals sending that to the hypothalamus and Starting that red alert uh, cascade of signals into the rest of your brain and body. So, I want to back up just a little bit here and start with your brain's number one job. Your brain has one job, and that is just to keep you alive. After that, there are just a few other things that happen in there, but that is the number one. That is the big one. If you are familiar with Dr. Perry Nicholson, uh, he reminds us all the time that. The brain's number one job is survival. It is not happiness. That part is your job. That is our job to facilitate. If you are not familiar with Dr. Perry Nicholson, I am just, um, his work is incredibly helpful. He is brilliant and makes all of his content super digestible for people who don't necessarily have a background in medicine. Um, I will link his Instagram account. Um, check it out. So anyway, because your brain is constantly scanning the environment around you for potential threats, there is a bit of an automatic negative bias going on. Anything new, anything uncertain, which is anything new, because we don't know about something until we know about it, that is going to be uncertain. It's going to feel unsafe. It is going to trigger your um, little bit of a stress response. So then anything new feels uncomfortable, it feels stressful, it feels worrisome. And this is uh, leads to problems. When we attach ourselves to those thoughts and feed them with our attention, that's when they grow and they feed more of the same type of thoughts. That's those stressful, worrisome thoughts about our discomfort about uncertainty, the uncertainty of the situation. So our brains number two job is efficiency. In order to conserve energy, you know, and reserve resources for that whole keeping us alive thing, in order for our brain to be the most efficient, for us to be the most efficient um, just in our function, your brain makes patterns and habits and automations of literally everything. And I mean everything, the way you move, what you think, how you breathe, how you react, decisions you make. 95% of what we do as adults by the age of like 30, mid 30s, early to mid 30s, are habits and patterns that we have learned throughout our life. And so if we are not intentional about making our decisions, if we are not present and paying attention to what is happening, we're just living on autopilot because. We have all of these wonderful patterns. Um, And I say wonderful, sometimes the patterns are not wonderful, but I just mean it is incredible that our brains and bodies allow us to function in the way that they do. We don't even have to think about it, which can be not a great thing if we don't have great habits and patterns going on in the way that we think, in the way that we treat ourselves, in the way that we navigate the world, in the way that we are living our habits, our decisions. Um, And so, but it is incredible that that our, your brain is capable of that. I just think it's an amazing thing. Anyways, so we have to be intentional about this if we want to access and be able to change or just input what we actually want to be doing intentionally Mm -hmm. uh, create that those automations so that they are useful and usable to us, and not detrimental and um, you know damaging or harmful for just our overall health. So your brain is a prediction and storytelling machine. It's always looking to make a prediction of what's coming based on what we already know. We know what we know because we have already experienced it and then learned from it. So because this is the safe option, because what we know is predictable for our brain, we end up seeking the same experiences and and automating through the same reactions. That's how that that subconscious programming, those patterns and habituations happen. So again, unless we're paying attention and being really intentional about what is in front of us in each moment and how we want to navigate that, which is much harder than one would think. Um, then we're just kind of going through on autopilot, seeking the same types of interactions, the same experiences and reacting the same way to them, which can be detrimental when we're talking about stress and anxiety patterns. So we have something, there is a network of brain regions that all work together and they are called the default mode network. And that is because when we are not actively engaged in something, we're just kind of zoning out, we're thinking about ourselves. Um, that is the default mode network that is engaged and working. And that network works along with the hippocampus to string together this autobiographical set of memories to shape the way we think and create our sense of self. And so when the default mode network engages in planning and imagining and projecting for the future, it is engaging in prospection and retrospection. So like, you know, planning and memory uh, using the past events to predict the future. We have to be careful there because again, unconsciously, our DMN or this network, the default mode network, carries out a series of possibilities based on our past experiences. And so if we're not intentionally thinking, focused, or directing our thoughts, that network takes over and just is that prediction machine based on what has already happened, which is not necessarily useful. So where this can be really unuseful and unhelpful is for those of us who have been prone to negative thoughts, especially if they've been acquired through trauma um, in early life and have been shaped until this point in adulthood where we can become aware of this. We're prone to these negative thoughts and then our mind wanders and we're likely to project negative outcomes and imagine, imagine negative situations, which is why focusing intentional use of our, of our thought space, things like meditation, Intentionally choosing our thoughts is vital to moving forward and creating a new set of experiences for that network to choose from. Okay, so we've got survival, we've got efficiency, we've got pattern making um, prediction responses in our brain. And so when we're talking about chronic prolonged stress, this can actually change the shape of your brain and the size of the pieces of your brain, depending on how they are used. Chronic stress can shrink the hippocampus, which is involved in memory and learning. And it can, if the hippocampus is inhibited and um, weakened, this can limit how your memories consolidate from short-term to long-term. This is one of the biggest reasons that stress affects your memory and ability to learn new things. So And then there's that pattern of going back to just the old things. Anyways, so that can also prolong stress in the way of changing the shape of brain pieces. It can increase the size of the amygdala, which again is our kind of emotional control, red alarm uh, piece in there. And that can make it oversensitive to activation. So then with these um, changes that can occur in the brain, when we reach a stage of burnout, it often causes the inability to downregulate negative emotions. And then without that regulation of negative emotions, there is likely to be kind of a a takeover, a hijacking, if you will, (laughs) um, of these emotional control centers and the emotional kind of center of your brain, creating a negative bias and making the world in general just seem incredibly uncertain and unsafe, which then increases the uh, unsafe and anxious feelings that go on to create a feedback loop in the brain and body. So then your amygdala and all of these other uh, pieces of the central autonomic network, things that affect us emotionally, trigger a rapid response from these pieces of our brain because again survival and efficiency we want especially if it's a, a something that has come from a significant emotional response our brain wants to know exactly like okay i either want to really avoid that or yes that's something i really like so experiences that bring um bring along these intense negative emotions can increase our sympathetic tone, the the activation of that sympathetic part of our nervous system, that fight or flight side of our nervous system. Um, and this is, we're going to talk more kind of about this, but your brain doesn't know the difference between something happening inside of your body or or outside of your body. It doesn't know if this negative event comes from your thoughts, your memories, your predictions of the future, your negative self-talk, your judgment, your criticism, all of these things, those are legitimate events that are happening and your brain is just reacting to an event. It doesn't know whether the event is inside you or outside you. Um, We're going to talk more about that on the episode about mindset. (laughs) There's a lot of layers here. Um, So in our adult, we're going to talk about this, all of this is, is... um, human adult brain information because until the age of twenty five ish for both men and women, um, your brain isn't fully developed, and so there's a lot of other things happening. Your frontal lobe, the 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 part of your brain that deals with higher level executive functions, decision making, planning, empathy, um, uh, predicting, you know, future outcomes, risk, reward, all of these things. Doesn't actually solidify or it doesn't okay it doesn't solidify. That was not the word I wanted. It does not grow to um, be fully capable until your mid twenties, which is why mm, we all probably made really bad decisions when we were in our early twenties. If you didn't, uh, good for you. I know for sure that I did a lot, which is you know why I have all these experiences to share with you now. Anyways, so the human adult brain changes and adapts and is designed, created to alter quickly to respond to what is asked of it in order to meet changing demands and then thrive in changing environments again for survival to keep you alive. So when stress goes from just kind of an immediate thing to a chronic prolonged thing, the brain's connectivity adapts to these new settings and that becomes the normal that becomes your baseline state of of function. So that means that a temporary weakening of the prefrontal control of of, of emotions and behavior turns into a persistent dysregulation and it continues. And the imbalance between rationality and emotionality is long standing instead of temporary because again, of that hijack that your kind of emotional brain taking control, if you will, from your prefrontal lobe your thinking brain. And so, when there is a lack of prefrontal control because of this chronic stress, this can cause impaired emotional regulation along with changes in motivation, behavior, and the ability to feel pleasure because your brain is literally wiring differently according to it is wiring according to this stress pattern, according to these negative thoughts and these negative Um, worries and anxieties and fears and this bias that we're creating this feedback loop. And so this chronic stress interferes with the communication between the, the thinking brain and the emotional brain, kind of, if you will, those structures. So in a situation that may not have bothered you before, now, it's going to raise your blood pressure, it's going to get a reaction, it's going to trigger you much more easily. And I know that I can identify with this because there were just the most ridiculous things that would set me off and lead to really explosive behavior and just kind of like emotional meltdowns for me because of this feedback loop that had been strengthened for so long. Um, and so, you know, when we're in the state and there is, there is this kind of uh, dysregulated connectivity in your brain caused by stress, it can lead to poor uh, memory. Poor cognitive flexibility, just ability to um just function and and not be set in rigid kind of um, functioning patterns and our self-control is diminished, and then that kind of leads and then that cascades into different kind of feedback loops about our habits and our judgments about our habits and our criticism on ourselves and our feelings about those things and that is a whole other. Spiral that adds to this chronic stress, and so with this prolonged stress, these these patterns that we're creating, the world becomes just less balanced, and then you can find yourself dwelling on the on the negative. And when your mind water wanders because of that that um, DMN, the default mode network we were talking about earlier, this negative story is the one you're going to come up with. Um, in that uninhibited negative feedback state. So that just means that again, that negative bias is kind of the, the reel that you're playing over and over again. And then the more it plays, the stronger it gets. And then when that happens, it can just feel almost impossible once that feedback, um, is that feedback loop is created to be able to kind of jump out of that, to disengage in the negativity and to focus on the present moment, or the possibility of uh, pleasure or joy or things that are not negative? Um, and this is how we spiral, spiral into depression um, and those kind of elevated states of anxiety unless an intervention is made. When we have a, a, an imbalance in our parasympathetic and sympathetic tone, which just means the, the, the way that they, the rate in which they are both functioning, kind of the, the ability to flow back and forth, it can affect our heart's ability to adapt to a new situation causing cardiac problems. That is where a lot of those physical uh, problems with stress come from. And that is not for this episode. Um, so all of this happens and because all of these things are feeding into each other and they're all all of these systems, no system ever works alone. Again, Dr. Perry, go check him out. He is always talking about this. This is, um, just, it's just the way we work. Our systems don't work alone. They all are always in constant communication with each other. And so when there is the damage from that chronic stress, it builds up and then you become more vigilant at all times, reacting just again, maybe explosively to something trivial situations that seem really small from maybe an objective standpoint or even retrospectively. They maybe shouldn't be so stressful, but your reaction is what it is because of that chronic state uh, buildup. So that in itself increases the number of stressful episodes that we can have in a day because these situations that may not even be really stress provoking, provoke that trigger that response in us because it's already primed. And then it can take longer to bounce back and recover from each episode, which is that chronic stress, just potentiating itself, just perpetuating the, the cycle and, and honestly making it stronger. And I know we are a little bit over, but I'm going to keep going today. And So the effects of this chronic stress are contributed to, and then reinforced by things like your diet, your behavior, your lifestyle, your sleep patterns, your activity levels, your internal, uh, monologue, dialogue, your head space, which is why we're going to do a whole episode on that. Um, What we know is that there are both short and long-term fixes for this dysregulation and it can be changed. Your brain is always changing. We know that rationality and emotionality are almost mutually exclusive under stressful situations, which is why it's hard to focus and make decisions when we're upset because of that kind of hijacking over the part of your brain from your emotional brain to your thinking brain. So keeping the rational brain active and engaged is going to make it more difficult to uh, release control to that emotional brain. So this is why it's helpful to um, do things like puzzles and games that test your working memory and reasoning skills that absorb your attention. So things that really you have to focus, be intentional about, pay attention to, and that make you think um, are going to keep that part of your brain active so that the, you know, amygdala and all, all of the emotional brain friends cannot hijack control with the worry and anxiety loop. So here's the thing. Um, I did a couple of quick Google searches while writing this episode and something came up on those quick search, like quick search options something about anxiety actually changing your brain and within for intervention, you can fix the issue, but without your brain is just changed forever. And it was mostly unuseful and just like scary. And this is part of the whole reason that I do that I want to like, just share all of this information to everyone. Because when I was dealing with really damaging chronic stress, I would go to the doctor and they would just say like, Oh, yeah, it's from stress. But um, you know, you should just try and lower your stress. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that means. I don't know what that means. You're not giving me any options. How do I do that? I just didn't think it was possible. And so then now we're telling people this is changing your brain, which it is, but it's not scary because while that is true, context and details matter. Your brain is always changing with everything you do. That isn't already a habit pattern. That whole paying attention and being intentional with everything we do—that part comes in right here because when we're talking about neuroplasticity, which is your brain's change, your brain's ability to grow new neural pathways, new neurons, and also break down unused um, pathways, neuroplasticity—we are constantly rewiring our brains. And when there are no more, when there are more neural connections and stronger fibers binding those connections from repetition using those pathways over and over again, whatever that is, there will be an increase in volume in that structure. It will change the shape of your brain. So the information you provide your brain is very important. It's just operating on the experiences and information it is given. What kind of information your brain and nervous system receive is up to you to be aware of what is happening and what moves intentional moves you are delivering in the form of information that is useful and usable to your brain. You have to decide what is useful. You have to be intentional. It seems simple. Sometimes it is. It is definitely not easy. But is it possible? Yes this is um, well over our 20 minutes. So I am going to say goodbye for today. And I'm very excited about the rest of these uh, upcoming episodes. If you find this useful, please like, share, rate it, give it a star. I'm not even really sure how that works. Um, I think you can just go and like, give it some stars and write a review if you feel so inclined. Um, I'm not even asking for that. Please just share it. If it's helpful for you, share it with someone you know. If that's on social media, tag me so that I know and I can say hi. Until next week, I challenge you to be really aware of what information you're feeding your brain with your diet, your behavior, your lifestyle, your sleep patterns, your activity levels. Just become aware of what it is. All right. Until next week, peace out.